Pilot TV podcast this week. We are in lockdown along with the rest of the nation, confined to house arrest for the foreseeable future. But you didn't think that would stop us, did you? No, flying in the face of the coronavirus's best efforts to derail the Pilot TV podcast, we instead come to you live from each of our respective homes, beamed into your ears via the marvel of remote broadcasting technology. And it's a good thing too, as I think it's fair to say TV is about to become a rather more prominent fixture in all of our lives. Something aided this week by the long-awaited launch of Disney Plus in the UK. And with it, of course, the police, apparently, turning up at Terry's house. I can only assume to arrest you. Why is there a siren? I'm sorry, I can't stop them. Stop the police, Terry. Wherever I go, the popo follow. Fuck the police. Anyway, as I was saying, Disney Plus arrives here in the UK this week. And with it, of course, The Mandalorian, which we'll be reviewing on this week's show as we get our baby Yodas on to find out just what this way everyone keeps mentioning is all about. Uh, But that's not all, as we're also heading to Neptune, California for some long overdue sleuthing with the triumphant, if inexplicably delayed, return of Veronica Mars and killing time and indeed people with Mel and Sue in Hitmen as well as catching up with Jason Bateman's life of crime in season three of Netflix's Ozark. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the first in a new era of self-isolated pilot TV podcasts as we weather the current viral storm by continuing to fill your ears with televisual geekery and occasional yelling. Uh, joining me this week is a woman who today makes a triumphant return to the front lines partially aided by the fact that this new era means she doesn't actually need to leave her home to do the podcast. Uh, She is here, beaming in from her maternity leave and only occasionally pausing to breastfeed, which isn't at all weird on this live video hookup we've constructed, is it, Terry? Hi, Put them away! Put them away! This isn't quite the triumphant return I had in mind. Um, And I'll have everybody know that I chose to cut the video and just leave the audio on a call with you earlier this week to save you from having to see me breastfeed (laughs) and forever changing our relationship. Yeah, yeah, that would be, uh, although frankly, the way this is going on and if my local Sainsbury's is anything to go by, you might need to ship me and Boyd cartons of breast milk just to keep us alive. (laughs) I was like, please. Let's hold that as a last resort. I was like, please don't let this end in James requesting that I breastfeed him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's gone there. (laughs) We're not going full Game of Thrones. You're fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, (sighs) Joining Terry and myself is a man who has generously offered to allow all the closed cinema chains to relocate screenings to his living room, where audiences can see films on his ridiculously large television. Uh, He's back with us this week, and I can officially confirm that any rumours suggesting that the main reason for our video separation was actually down to safety concerns surrounding any further discussion of breeders are only slightly exaggerated. It's Boyd Hilton. Thanks. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, my (laughs) 78-inch is is, uh, proving to be the greatest investment of my life. The single biggest drain on the power grid around where you live, I'm sure. Fine, I just have to deal with it. I'm sorry. Welcome back, Terry and Emily and, you know, yeah, everyone. He's not here, but, you know, he's He's here here. He was here on yesterday's practice broadcast. He was. (laughs) Maybe a guest appearance later. I mean, you know. Maybe. He he will barrel in at some point. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I I have to say, I have to say, Boyd, I've Mm -hmm. um, I've been thinking a lot about the size of of yours and James's. Steady tellies yeah since this has all been going on and i'm considering buying a much bigger telly yes. because i do not think i can get through the next few months on my paltry disappointing 
I don't. I can't even. Um, I, can't, I don't even know how big it is. It's like I, I'm not very good at judging inches. Okay. Fifty, um, maybe fifty. I'm sorry. <laughs> fifty. Um, I think it may be like thirty. Uh, no, 30. Oh, my oh my god, god. no, That's no. Just basically yeah, a Game Boy. I think it is. I think it is. Like to, to the point where I put it once on Instagram and loads of Empire readers and pilot readers ba- piled on me to tell me how how <laughs> shit my telly was. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Those pylons are bad. Jesus. I mean, well, at I can least say you is, have a television, unlike what? Beth. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least Terry yeah. has a television. Yeah, what do you mean? True. Beth didn't have a well, television. Beth doesn't own a TV. No. I mean, it's almost like, Terry, like you weren't listening to the show when you weren't on. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I did. I did. Scandal. I, I, I uh, joined the live stream last week just in time oh, to wow. see to see Boyd ripping you a new arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite special. I got a few people like texting me. Well, not texting me. Uh, tweet, what's the word? Tweeting me. Uh, concerned for my well-being. I was like, no, it's fine. He did not harm me in any way. I wasn't being battered. You angered your the Boyd. Base, your fan base is very, they're very they're loyal to you. They're very protective. Yeah, they they're think, you're, protective. They think you're a sensitive soul. I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> Most people, it seems, on Twitter. It's interesting how this polarised people. Most people did agree with you, Boyd. I think uh, most of the people on Twitter well, did. Uh, I th- no, did, I was going to say half pro and half. readers. I don't know. Half there, were well, few, there were quite a few. There were quite a few came yeah, out. You had came a few out defenders. In, along yeah. in my camp as well. So it was. Uh, well, just one. to just to weigh in and you know stir the pot mm. once more. Um, uh, James and I were actually messaging about this, and I uh, James had said to me, "You should watch it." And I, for some reason, thought James would really like it, and I sent him this WhatsApp going. Ugh! And I'll tell you what, I I hate to say this and I find myself saying it with increasing regularity and I'm not quite sure what's happening. The world must be ending. But um, I do agree with James. And I should say from the get-go that, I, you know, the, the caliber of talent behind this show is incredible. Like some of the country's best and those mm. people have my in- enduring respect and admiration. But, and but. maybe... Maybe it's because I'm a new mum. I don't know. I've got mm. like a four-week-old child, three weeks old when I watch this. I found it really upsetting, I have to say. And I, f- I found oh. the kind of level of um, kind of vitriol towards the kids that lasts the entire episode. It's not just kind of punctuating it, you know. Lost the whole series. Yeah. It, I found that really relentless and really difficult to watch. And I, I found it really hard wow. to get to the end of the first episode. And I did think, and I don't want to anger the Boyd, but I did think that if this was a working class family, it was set mm. on a council estate, I think it would have been received so differently and the perception of those, how those parents behave would have been so different. And, you know, maybe that's fine. Maybe part of it is because being middle class is a kind of fig leaf for this stuff and there's an acceptability which there isn't amongst other communities. But as I was watching it, I hate to always be like the class girl banging on yeah. but i was watching it thinking if this was like on a working class estate people would be going it's tv showing essentially like verbal abuse to kids um and i think there is something about that made me super uncomfortable mm. and i did find it really upsetting and i do have a four-week-old baby so all those mm. caveats aside yeah. i sympathize very much with james's position on this okay well yeah i mean i, I can see that all i'd say is i think <laughs> if it was about set on housing estate and about working class family etc um, although I pointed out last week, the royal family maltreated their baby very, very heavily, um, and that was fine. Oh, but 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 come what? on, okay. baby what? David, like yeah. mistreated in what way? Fed him shit food. They left him on his own. own I think in one episode, <laughs> they literally abandoned him. I mean, so there, they was, would... there was no question of them being bad parents and them not being the norm. The different thing about this is it's meant to be here's how most middle class parents 
really feel and what's really happening and this is the unspoken truth which i genuinely don't know if that's correct whereas the royal family feeding baby david dairy triangles (laughs) and leaving him on his own to go down the pub it was seen as 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 not acceptable behavior but obviously it was done for laughs because it was comedy do you see what i mean yeah 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 oh i I think i think it's i think this the whole i think the brilliance of the show is of breeders is that it, you, you're on edge about it. It is you are. It is difficult. It is challenging and bold. And it is. And I think the people involved, the characters, are like hovering at the point of being really genuinely bad parents. But I don't think they are. And I think it's all about they're negotiating the issues apparently by joking about it. Ultimately, ultimately, they're being funny with each other about how much, how frustrating, and how at various points they hate in inverted commas their kids. But they know that's all within the context of joking about it essentially of having a are there inverted commas are there yeah, inverted I totally, commas I think, so. I think so i mean you know I, I, definitely martin freeman you know said that it does go right to the edge of acceptability and it's definitely about that and it is definitely like meant to be shocking and you know and they're meant to go further than say motherland which i think hovers on a, it, it occupies some similar territory but for me, I don't think they are. I genuinely think I don't. And and and, and the point about the working class family might be right, but that doesn't detract from that these people have created this comedy about their way of dealing with the trials of parenthood. And I and it and I felt it all worked. I felt it just. I just. I believed it. I believed that some parents are do do discuss their kids like that. It doesn't mean they're bad parents. I don't think at all. Absolutely not. But to your point, going to the edge of acceptability, I think I can understand if that's kind of, you know, three or four times in an episode. It's an unrelenting wall of kind of like... Yeah, but um, that's And I, so- I thought it was so dark, unrelentingly dark. Fuck the virtues. <laughs> fuck Shane Meadows. This is uh, like darker than any of that shit. Oh, I didn't think that because the couple love each other. I think they love their kids. I think they're trying to do good stuff for their kids. The the, the storylines are like, you know, trying to get the good school for their kids, all of that. It's, it's, it's the surface is shocking, but I think the underlying thing it's almost about that how on the surface you might walk in and if you overheard them calling their kids motherfuckers you'd be like fuck who are these people report them to authorities but actually they're a loving family and there's love there and they and they and and, and it's fine it's all fine don't call the authorities i don't get the love i don't you see i don't believe the love and that's the thing i struggled with is it's because for it to that conceit to work you do have to fundamentally go there's this kind of overwhelming, all-consuming parental love, but at times things get really difficult and really dark. Whereas it felt like the oh, okay. um, kind of inverse of that, which is it was kind mm. of a hellscape, ninety-seven percent of the time, and then there was a brief glint of like affection mm. and and love and responsibility. Okay, can I just say what you got was this is what I think, and Boy was like, yes, I hear what you're saying, but I disagree. What I got was season eight Daenerys and the raising of King's Landing. <laughs> So yeah, I've gone through that already with you. No, no, no. I, there's no point in doing that again. I mean, we've already been through this. I don't want to, I don't want to have a rant about it again. Plus, it's weird ranting in this format on this. It's different somehow. Yeah. It's harder. It's harder to... And also, uh, Boyd loves me more, so... Well, That's yeah, true. That yeah. is undeniably true. Um, I guess we've been watching Breeders as part of it, but is there anything else we'd like to throw into the what we've been watching segment? Well, um, as this goes out on Monday, um, it's the day of the last ever... Uh, episode of this country we've, we've been going on about it for quite a few weeks beth mentioned it brought it up last week um and i've seen the finale lucky enough to see this finale um and it is it, it's been one of the best um tv comedies of the last few years it's uniquely about these working class young people 
in this in a place where you don't often see TV covering. It's in the faux documentary format, which it does so brilliantly. And what the and if the, and I think they said at the launch of the show um, a couple of months ago when they showed the first few episodes, um, Daisy May Cooper and Charlie Cooper, they talked about how this third series is kind of about the vicar who is their kind of best friend, their confidant, their father figure, particularly with him. Like he, th- that relationship between this young guy, you know, who you'd think would be dismissive of a vicar, of a boring old vicar. Actually, that's that, the sweetness and the, the soulfulness of their relationship, his relationship to the vicar is fantastic. And this, and the whole series has been rested on the vicar to some extent. They had a whole episode just in the vicar's car, pretty much. There was another episode last week where they met the vicar from the train station, and that was brilliant. The finale is even more all about the vicar, without giving it away for people who haven't, because it's on later tonight as we go on Monday. And it is extraordinary. It's all about will the vicar leave or will he stay? And it's incredible. So, yeah, this country. Oh, I can't wait to see. I just think this season has been something else entirely. I've been to watch loads of it um, uh, just before I gave birth and just after I gave birth. Um, and <laughs> why is that unusual, James? You can't see James just pulled a face, but he just pulled a face. <laughs> I, <did. laughs> I watched that and Dr. Foster during labour. <laughs> you're bookending oh, labour with this oh. country. I watched Doctor. I didn't realize I was. It's a longer story, but I didn't realize I was in labor when I was in labor. And I just watched an entire, the entire second season of Doctor Foster. <laughs> That's brilliant. Without realizing wow. how I was having contractions, which is quite stressful. I seem to. Remember. Yeah, it is quite yeah. stressful. But yeah. I, I agree with you, boy. It's just been remarkable. The, I mean, the stuff with the vicar's son is was so brilliantly done. Yeah. I can't wait to see. Um, I can't wait to see the finale, and I'm, I'm just devastated it's ending because it, it yeah. feels like now more than ever we need shows like this country yeah exactly. oh, don't worry, sure they're making an american one which won't be terrible at all oh god yeah. are you kidding no yeah no. although the production yeah this it's nation shut down because of the virus but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've also been watching did, any, did did you talk about this last week you didn't in the live stream bit i saw but uh feel good the channel yes, for we yeah, we feel good last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. Yes. You obviously yes. didn't yes. say for the. Yeah. Did you like it? <laughs> we loved it. We yeah, all loved, I it. No, loved I did. it. James, and I was like, oh my god! So I watched it um, this week. Mm. She is amazing. May Martin yep. is yep. Yep. a fucking genius, and I love that it's kind of people keep calling it a comedy, and I'm like, actually, do you know what? It's a rom com. It's a proper. Mm. Yeah. It's a proper rom-com in the best tradition of rom-coms. She's brilliant. The fact that they can balance those kind of small and big bits of being in a relationship and that's where all that comedy lies. The bit in the IKEA where she's <laughs> where they're talking about secrets because she's discovered a big secret about her and and it all becomes about the I heart Guernsey mug and she's like yeah. what even is a Guernsey the writing is just mm-hmm. remarkable um and I'm saving I've saved the cuz they're all on um uh, more four, all right four. Yeah. all four um yeah. so I've saved them all for this weekend and I just can't wait yeah, um, fun. I can't wait yeah, I watched the whole thing and it is absolutely, and you're right, it's a romantic comedy. Yeah, weirdly, yeah. Channel 4 are insisting on calling it comedy drama, which, oh, I don't, which it's, it's not. not. It's not I think no. Because it has it does deal with her addiction issues and all of that and the sexuality issue, and, and but but it's funny all the way through. It's always funny. Yeah. And I think, that, I think them calling it comedy drama is slightly because people are now worried that people complain if comedies don't have enough jokes and, you know, all that. <laughs> but it's relentlessly funny. And the romance is absolutely, it's so believable between Charlotte yeah. and her, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it? You just think, yep, this is absolutely happening. It's real. It's fantastic. Yeah. Their chemistry is just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And Lisa Kudrow, fucking hell. 
<laughs> just being horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Every bad, toxic American mother yeah, ever. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. To James, what have you been um, watching? Battlestar Galactica, honestly. by any chance? No. I'm saving it. I've got that? four oh. episodes left, basically on the home stretch. So I've decided to stop. So I'm up to Islanded in a Sea of Stars, which is right before the end. But I've decided to stop there and watch the the the, the sort of TV movie that came out after it, The Plan, which is kind of like a uh, a kind of a coda which goes back and tells fills in the missing piece. So I decided to watch that at this point so that I can then have a straight run through to the end and then finish on a high. So that's my plan. But all of that's been on hold because we because we've been, you know, moving to remote working and do I just haven't had a second and I realize how much of the TV I watch is done on my commute. But what I have done, what I have done is I'm now up to the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard. And let me tell you that it had a lull in the middle, but it has definitely picked up. I'm very excited by where it's going. I'd be very interested to see what the final episode holds and where this ends this season on. But yes, it's uh, it all it all kicked off. There was some Borg action. There was oh, oh it's extraordinary. Loved it. It did have a lull in the middle, though, didn't it? It did, yeah. Like there were a couple mm. of episodes. Where I'm like, this is mm. just filler. Like these are, yeah. and all series do it. I mean, Star Trek Discovery had a few of those. Like it, it just feels like. When we say filler, I almost mean that it feels like an old school standard Trek episode where it's like, you know, Planet of the Week, Spatial Anomaly of the mm. Week, you know, Issue of the Week. And it all felt tangential to the main story arc. And given that there's so much urgency in the main story arc, I felt a bit like, do you really have time for Patrick Stewart to be titting around on a planet, putting on a faux French accent and wearing an eye patch? Because that does not feel truly <laughs> essential to me. Uh, and yet... Here we are. <laughs> um, but there was good stuff going on there. It was great to see Jerry Ryan back as Seven of Nine. It was great to see Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes back as Troy and Riker. You know, I, I, yeah, it, 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 it gave me the, uh, the trekkie warm and fuzzy. So for that, I am grateful. And having one episode left gives me a little bit of anxiety because I don't know what I'll do after that. But, you know. Oh, we'll see. Sorry, a rewatch of every episode of Next Generation, presumably. Isn't it? Well, I'm already doing that. So, oh, but right, not right, every episode, Boyd. I think I mentioned this before. I'm only watching the oh, good yeah. ones. And they're yes. and they're, and that yes. doesn't take that much time because most of them right. are a bit ropey. Yes. But I yes, still I love agree. them, but they're a bit ropey. So I'm currently watching Redemptions mm. Part 1 and 2, which is where Worf goes back to uh, fighting a Klingon civil war between the House of Brass, Lursa, and Bator, the Klingons, and uh, High Chancellor Gowron, who's newly anointed to the, uh, the High Council. Anyway, Terry, did you watch Bake Off this week? Celebrity Bake Off. <laughs> oh my god, I did. Yes, I mean we have to mention that oh. Richard Dreyfus, Richard Please fucking Dreyfus. Oh. It's like the equivalent. Oh, can we just say yeah. oh, he didn't? He didn't seem to know. I was like, does he definitely know where he is and what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I mean he had no idea what's happening, but he baked well. He baked some good stuff. He, he did. did. He did a good job. But just it's like getting Leo DiCaprio on or something. If this is in like ten years, twenty years time, he was the movie icon of the seventies. He was in fucking Jaws, uh, Close Encounters, and he's now baking. I, I love the whole thing. It was so good. Absolutely brilliant. But the, he... there was a moment where he like looked around the tent and you could see him thinking, what the fuck what? has yeah. my agent oh, yeah. booked me for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who are these people who all yeah. definitely know who I am? Yeah. And I have yeah. no idea who any of yeah. those are. It was amazing. Yeah, when poor Hollywood was telling him what was wrong, he was like, who the fuck are you to tell me, poor Richard <laughs> Dreyfus, that I'm doing something wrong? You twat, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Incredible. just, I mean, I have to say that was perfect viewing yeah. this week. Perfect, yeah. perfect yeah. viewing. Loved it, yeah. What's it called in James? America? The British Baking Show. The British, the uh, British Bake Show. I watched it in LA Gassos last time. I think it was. Know. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, the, yeah. The British Bake Show, I think. They still haven't called me, Boyd. They still haven't called me. Uh, you have to apply. You have to apply, mate. You can't, apply, they won't call you. Apply. They should come to me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Right. 
Anyway, anyway, that is what we've been watching. So shall we move on now to a listener question? Um, <laughs> this isn't so much a listener question as I think a collective cry for help from everyone who listens to this podcast. What are the best shows to watch or rather binge in isolation? Which is a bit of an existential conundrum I think a lot of people are, are dealing with at the moment. And it's quite heartening to see people like the BBC stepping up to the plate to help alleviate this. So the BBC dropped the whole of Spooks onto iPlayer this week, which I was extraordinarily pleased to see, partly because it's brilliant uh, and partly <laughs> because, frankly, <laughs> I think I don't think enough people have seen it, which is why I bansheed it. But Utter um, <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> anyway, yeah. also, the BBC have also dropped uh, French and Saunders have turned up on there, Waking the Dead, The Missing, uh, Wallander, Honourable Woman are turning up. I think Torchwood's been on there since quite recently as well. So there's lots of stuff on iPlayer as well. But we put mm. together a list on the website of the best TV shows to binge while in self-isolation this week. Uh, so if you want to look on the Empire website, you will find it there in the Features channel. Um, I will run through the list if either of you wish to comment or add some stuff. Uh, Killing Eve is up there at number one. Makes absolute sense. The Boys also as well on Amazon. Well worth seeing. Do you, wait a minute. Um, did you, is this entirely your list? Uh, no, this is a combination oh, okay. of things. So I took some of the best shows of last year. But so you're saying The Boys our, um, is a number two. A number is that in- two? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, I should say it's oh, not okay. ranked. Like, it's, oh, it's just a list okay. in chronological say, order. Yeah. yeah, it's you not like the number two boys. show to binge. <laughs> yes. uh, Russian okay. Doll is on there, I thought, which was, you know, a little bit of fun. Uh, also, because she's stuck in one place and can't get out of it. Um, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery, naturally. Who could possibly wish to be without Star Trek Discovery? Also available on Amazon Prime. Uh, any any that you would like to add that may not be on the list before I continue well, with it? Could I just say, I think we should give a shout out to the BBC's response generally mm. to um, the coronavirus and obviously what's happening in the country and everybody kind of either social distancing or self-isolating. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, that's my baby crying. Um, can I you hear it? Avoid. Yeah, can that's live. That's quite exciting, live baby crying. That's live Emlyn. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't sound happy. I think I think Sorry. that was when he heard about the boys being on the list. So I do think we should give a shout out to the BBC and their kind of response um, during this whole coronavirus crisis, because it, whether it's their kind of local news programming um, or actually, as you say, them putting all of these shows and amazing series um, kind of back on iPlayer and making them available, um, which I'm sure wasn't their plan when they launched BritBox and were part mm. of that. And um, I think it's kind of been amazing. It's really reminded me, if I did in fact need reminding, kind of what an amazing service the BBC provides to us all. Hashtag save yeah, the BBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Get your hands Absolutely. off it. Exactly. Fuck right yeah. off. Um, <laughs> also, also on the list, Derry Girls, which obviously streams in on all four in the UK, on Netflix in the US. Servant on Apple TV Plus, I think, is definitely worth a binge. Terry, you would be on board for this. In fact, all three of us watched all the way through that, didn't mm. we? In fact, yeah. you did it far before I did. Very, yeah. very good show. Definitely worth a binge. Uh, Unbelievable on in on Netflix in the UK and the US, if you want some light-hearted break drama. Killing <laughs> Eve is available on the iPlayer and to stream on BBC America in the US. Dublin Murders, Dublin Murders, love Dublin Murders, one of my favourite shows of last year. You can stream it on Stars in the US, I think you can only buy it in the UK on Amazon. Uh, I don't think there's anywhere to stream that at the moment. Line of Duty, the most recent series is now on hold, thanks to El Coronavirus, but you can stream the others on iPlayer, which I heartily recommend. What else have we got? Morning Show, Apple TV Plus, definitely, definitely, definitely watch that if you haven't already. Dominic Savage's I Am, which is available to stream on all four 
That's for, again not not uplifting. Not gonna not gonna you know tickle your funny bone, but it's very very good. <laughs> Do recommend that. Only three episodes, each one of them brilliant. Boyd, big shout out to Years and Years. I think also on mm. iPlayer, well mm. worth watching. Uh, you can also buy it on Amazon or in the US stream on HBO if you so desire. Uh, Ava DuVernay's When They See Us on Netflix. Again, not a happy-go-lucky show, but uh-huh. a really, really good one. Succession. Now, obviously, I'm in two minds about this particular one, but a lot of people seem to like it, Bellens and all. So uh, this streams on HBO in the US, and you can buy it on Amazon. I'm pretty sure you can still stream it on Sky and um, Now TV. Um, I think right? it might be in Sky Store now. It switches. It's very yeah. it, it's okay, depending so on... Okay, so you might only yeah, be able to buy it now. But uh, You might that. have to buy it, but, but well worth it. <laughs> I'm seriously considering starting Game of Thrones again from day one, so I oh, think everyone idiot. else should do the same. Oh, Another watch through. Haven't you done this that one. already? Yes, but that was before yes. the final season dropped. That was to the penultimate oh. season to get me up to date. Well, this will be straight from beginning to end, the whole thing as intended. It's going to be amazing. Christ. Uh, so, yes. I, do you know what I've just started watching, which um, which I've meant to watch for ages, and there are 30 episodes of it. Th- that's, that's a re- I think Because I think really big binges are what we should be going for because people you know now we've all got time mr mercedes you know this, oh, so yes, the i really king, want to watch that yeah the stephen king ap- adaptation it's on stars play here um mm. and it's D- david e kelly first of all wrote it as the showrunner of big little lies etc fame so incredible writing i've only i just started watching the first episode literally and it's um it's the same character that was in the outsider recently mm. played by cynthia erivo played by different actress in this in this drama it's got everything um it's got um uh so she plays holly gibney the, that character's in it. it's got serial killing it's got so much in it it's got it's fantastic. So yeah, basically, um, Mr. Mercedes. I've only I'm only halfway through the first episode, but already I'm like, no, I've got 30 hours of this to enjoy. That is I'm a gonna proper binge. binge. That is yeah. definitely on my list. Yeah. Definitely on my list. But um, don't you find it interesting what we kind of turn to in these times? Because my initial instinct, Law and Order, um, SVU. Well, that's what you're well, say, I, right? I have watched a load of F- SVU. But my initial instinct was to kind of go for dystopian, kind of horrendous. Um, reflections of our reality, of which there are many, it turns out. Mm. Um, and what I would say is definitely don't fucking try and rewatch Utopia, which literally pushed me over the edge last night. <laughs> Christ <laughs> almighty. So I've adapted. I don't I've adapted. Why is that relevant <laughs> yeah. in this current time? <laughs> Christ almighty. I was, but I've adapted my strategy. So I've been watching Portrait Artist of the Year, of which oh, yeah. there are six seasons on Now TV and Sky. It is the most soothing, beautifully middle-class British thing I've ever watched, apart from Bake Off. Um, And it's literally, they get loads of artists, some of them amateur, some of them professional, in a room, and they get them to paint the portrait of somebody famous, and then one of them wins. And there's six seasons, and there's loads of episodes per season. And it's just the most soothing, beautiful thing. And I heartily recommend it. And I will be immersing myself in those kind of halcyon depictions of what life can be in gentler times rather than the fiery furnace of hell that I normally (laughs) favour. I fully agree about Portrait portrait Artist of the Year because, yeah, that is just, you know, it's fantastic. I know one of the people in the most recent series... Uh, Chris Longridge is an ex-colleague yes. of mine. Yes, yes. he used yes. to for Heat, didn't he? Yeah, who does very well in it. No spoilers, because, yeah. you know. You other, watch it, James? Uh, no. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chernobyl is still available to stream on Sky and on HBO in the US. That's obviously another happy-go-lucky one, but uh, Craig Mason's disaster series is, is brilliant. Highly recommended. 
the ever popular flea bag is on iPlayer still. Don't forget that one. Everyone will have seen it, but rewatching that I think is a good thing to do. Have I mentioned Star Trek cards available on Amazon? Yes. Once or done. twice. I might have done. What else have we got on here? I'm going to go through them all just because I genuinely believe that this is a public service and I think we should do it. The OA on Netflix Yay. in the US and the UK. It's amazing. It got cancelled. But who knows? Since this virus will have wiped out all other TV shows, maybe they'll bring it back. Who can say? Uh, Watchmen, our show of 2019, available to stream on Sky or HBO in the US. Absolutely marvellous. Single series. Sex education. And I can't think, like genuinely, if someone would say to me, what do you prescribe for my misery and self-isolation? Mm. My prescription, Dr. Dyer's prescription, will always be sex education seasons one and two, available on Netflix. It's touching. It's brilliantly written. It's hugely funny. And I love the fact that Margot Robbie had someone come up to her in the street and say to her, oh, my God, you're amazing. I love your work. She was like, oh, thanks so much. She was like, oh, you're so good in sex education. I've really been enjoying it. And she was just like, that's wow. Emma Mackie. That's not me. <laughs> so sex education is now so big that the stars of Quentin Tarantino movies are being mistaken for the cast of it. And I think that's lovely. Lock and Key on Netflix, if you are of a want to watch something weird and fantasy-esque in a kind of YA, not YA fashion. Altered Carbon, well, that's probably more one for me. That's on Netflix, but that's a lot yeah. of fun. Two seasons of that. If you want to watch Nazis, Hunters is streaming on Amazon Prime Video and involves Al Pacino. What more could you want? This Country is on this list. It's unclear to me why. Uh, that's on iPlayer. Other people enjoy that. The West Wing, the beautiful West Wing, the greatest TV show ever made, and the feel-good panacea for our age, and indeed any other, is not available to stream anywhere. But you can pick up the box set for almost nothing. And uh, you can buy it on Amazon, you can buy it on iTunes. And if you're in the US, you can actually stream it on Netflix, uh, but not in the UK. The Good Place, all the seasons of that are available on Netflix or Hulu in the US. What else have we got? The Outsider which Boyd has just finished and I have yet to finish. This is streaming on Sky or HBO in the US. Stephen King adaptation, Ben Mendelsohn, very good indeed. Uh, Cobra, if you want to see an image of a government utterly failing to deal with a crisis, then perhaps you don't need to watch oh, yeah. this. But this is streaming on Sky and is very true to life at the moment. Uh, Robert Carlyle as the PM. Uh, I am not okay with this on Netflix, uh, which you guys reviewed while I was off. But you quite liked mm. it, didn't you, Boyd? It's good, yeah. Not yeah, as good yeah. as um, The End of the Fucking World, but good. No, but From good. That okay, that's on there as well. The Witcher, the glorious Witcher, <laughs> available Christ. to stream. Toss a coin to just... your Witcher now. <laughs> it's available to stream on Netflix. The production of The Witcher has actually obviously shut down because of the virus. They were filming in Budapest. I was hoping to go on set. Clearly, that's not fucking happening. But uh, nevertheless, you can watch season <laughs> First one. First world virus now. problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can't go on set of The Witcher. Yeah. Damn it. Um, yeah. Nearly there, nearly there. Curb Your Enthusiasm, available to stream yes. on Sky or HBO in the US. That's got to make you feel good about yourself. Just to say, the Sky Comedy Library is phenomenal. If you're lucky enough to have Sky, yeah. because Curb's so on it, stuff. Parks and Recreation is on it, Veep is on it, Everybody Hates Chris is on it, The Comeback is on it, Lisa Kudrow's masterpiece, both series of The Comeback. And at one point, you couldn't get series two of The Comeback anywhere, like on DVD or anything. So that is an incredible resource if anyone's got that carry on yes definitely so much stuff on there if you like what did you call it C comedy if you like that yeah then that channel uh will absolutely sort you out elsewhere westworld obviously has just started its third season but one and two are available on sky here in the uk that's i mean it feels like it takes forever to get through season two so by the time that finishes you'll probably be out of isolation so that's a good thing home home rufus jones is Brilliant Home is available to stream on all four. Can't recommend that one highly enough. Series one and two of that. And of course, 
what list would be complete without the expanse, all seasons of which are available on Amazon Prime Video. Even Terry might take time to watch the expanse while we're off. Bit of glorious science fiction action. Terry, is this on the cards? It's not. Um, maybe if like we have to um, social distance slash self-isolate for like 14 years, right. then kind of towards the end of that period, I could I be up saying. for watching The Expanse. All right, fair enough. Um, nearly at the end of the list, The Wire. The Wire is, in, to my mind, one of the greatest TV shows ever made. But not everyone, it turns out, has seen it or did indeed persist all the way through it. Uh, I would say if you haven't watched The Wire, if you're one of those few people, this is the perfect time to catch up on that. It is streaming on Sky. You can buy it on Amazon. It's on HBO in the US. Uh, Bojack Horseman's on this list, but I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, Space, Spaced is on all four. Everyone seems spaced, but if you haven't, on all four, combine on Amazon's on Hulu in the States. The Sopranos is all on Sky as well. Friday Night Lights is available. Uh, you can stream that on Amazon. Friday Night Lights is great. American football, but lots of high school drama and a weird assassination plot in season two, but don't get hung up on that. Uh, Firefly, our dearly departed Firefly is on Amazon and on Hulu in the US. Uh, Breaking Bad, of course, all of which is on Netflix. And finally, <laughs> I promise you this is the end of it. Finally, I've already mentioned This it, list has been amazing. But Go Spooks on. was our most recent addition to this list oh, when yeah. the BBC oh. announced it yesterday that they were adding that to iPlayer. So Spooks is on there as well. And I'm done. That should keep you busy for at least a week. I mean, if only there was a place that this list existed, like a website that you could oh, have yeah. sent people to instead of doing a spoken word performance of the feature. You're saying. Yes, actually. So, okay, everyone, forget all that. Forget this all that. If you want to know what yeah. shows to binge watch in isolation, go yeah. to the Empire website, yeah. the Features channel, and you will find a feature on there called The Best TV Shows to Binge Watch in Self-Isolation. <laughs> There you go. That would have saved you 10 minutes of your life. That could be the greatest segment of the podcast since he reeled off the uh, backstory of The Expanse. I mean, I can do that again for you yeah. if you need. Um, no, no, no. All right, no, fine. So that's what you should watch in isolation. If you have any questions you would like to put to the podcast, please do send oh. them to us. Normally, we do receive questions via at Pilot TV Mag on Twitter via DMs. If you want to send them there, please do. And you know what? If you want to hassle each of us individually on Twitter, then feel free to do that as well. Uh, shall we move on? On now to news, <laughs> what little there is of it. Boy, has anything been going on in the world of TV apart from shows cancelled due to virus? I mean, that is the main thing, isn't it? Shows that have been stopped um, mm. production. Uh, that's a huge thing. I mean, there's just an endless list. Um, Handmaid's Tale, Peaky Blinders, Line of Duty, Handmaid's Lord of the Rings, Blinders, Witcher, yeah. Wheel of Time. Oh, yeah, yeah, all of that. Um, but, but a lot of them are saying um, two so weeks at this stage, aren't they? They're, like, they're saying this is a two-week hold, but then it seems unlikely they'll be back to production in a fortnight. Yeah, well, I've seen various. I think it varies between different. I think Netflix shut down all their productions, kind of indefinitely. Like indefinitely. In, well, kind of. I don't think they've officially mm. said that, but that's what mm. I've heard. Um, so yeah, but I still. I think you know. I think they'll all. I think there's there's enough stuff. People are always like having not enough content to watch. I think there's loads of stuff. <laughs> so there are like Netflix. Netflix named loads of launch dates for their shows. The Billions trailer went out. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of that show Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti that looked really good season 5 is going to arrive in May they'll be on Sky um, Netflix announced what dates they've got um, so La Casa de Papel which I've mentioned on this podcast before which is Money Heist and is the biggest um, 
foreign language drama in the world, according to Netflix, um, and is incredible. Money heist. The season, the new season launches on April the third. The fourth part of that story, and that is a huge thing because people love that show and it's really good. Um, and what else? Oh, the um, Mindy Kaling's new show, Never Have I Ever, will be on April twenty seventh on Netflix as well. And there's various other announcements. So there are still things happening. I wanted to mention one thing. Because um, stuff is, st- if, even if it's not in production, and as you say, you know, they're, they're looking at this two week minimum probably more into the summer, um, is that there is still stuff in development. And I was very excited to see that Amazon is developing a limited series based on this crazy New York Magazine article um, from, it's either, I think it was last year called the stolen kids of sarah lawrence boy did you read Mm, about this mm. and it was this kind of mad true story of these kids at this college who'd basically fallen under the spell of their classmate's father who was an ex-con and kind of manipulated them um and it was just an insane story and blumhouse bought the rights to the story Jason Blum's exec producing this. Reed Morano is going to direct, um, which I think is really exciting. I know maybe uh, we didn't love the rhythm section, uh, James, you and I, we thought it was okay. But her work in t- TV is kind of, um, it is stands by itself actually. And I think she'll do an amazing job. Um, so I was really excited to see that go into development. It's really heartening, I think, at times like this when things are kind of completely frozen to mm. still s- see stuff being developed and picked up and to kind of see what may be coming down the road mm. um, next year. The uh, the Friends reunion, otherwise known as the mm. one where they all get coronavirus and die, has been delayed, <laughs> sadly. Uh, so that's been pushed back. Fargo season four has also been pushed back as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of uh, returning shows that we've all been looking forward to will be uh, will be taking a, a brief hiatus. Um, but there is going to be a gap, isn't there? Like we've, we've talked a lot about like mm. films... Obviously, cinemas are closing. People aren't able to go to the cinema. And everyone's like, oh, TV, TV will be unaffected. And TV will be unaffected to the extent where you'll still be able to get it in your living room. But with a lot of TV shows in production, you are going to end up with holds. And if this goes on for a long period of time, there will come a point where certainly uh, ongoing shows that we watch, seasons will not be ready. Like, they won't have the following stuff. And seasons won't even finish. Like, they've announced a number of the, uh, certainly the American shows, the broadcast TV shows, which obviously, unlike Netflix and Amazon stuff that drop in one go, that film as they... Uh, as they go out, as they air, um, will not be finishing their seasons or will have uh, truncated seasons like when they did the last writer's strike and you ended up with these really short seasons. I think that's going to happen a lot as well because, you know, they can't keep making the episodes. So it is going to disrupt people's viewing habits uh, to a certain extent. Obviously, this is not the the extent of the virus's (laughs) downsides for society, but it is relevant to this podcast. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, but I think... We're lucky that in this day and age they make something like, you know, 500 scripted shows every year now in TV. So, you know, I think we'll be all right, basically. In fact, you know, yeah. I mean, luckily we're around to sort out what you should watch. Well, exactly. Won't they just just stagger the stuff they have in the pipeline? So instead of, you know, I think we talk a lot about how overwhelming it is because on any given week there's a huge number of Mm. actually great stuff released. So... Presumably they'll eke it out. It doesn't help, as you say, James, things that are kind of returning series or, you know, things that are actually going into development for third, fourth, fifth seasons because what happens at that point? Mm. Will things get cancelled before they're even given the chance? Um, But, yeah, I mean, maybe it will be a slightly more manageable um, kind of volume of TV if Mm. we have to kind of eke it out a little bit more. Um, 
But, you know, we talk a lot about just the, the insane number of amazing huh. shows. Yeah. So I can't see it drying up anytime soon. No, no. It'll no. give us a chance you to see catch the story? up as well. Yeah. Do you see the story about Netflix reducing its bandwidth yeah. Yeah. to the virus? Because that's interesting. I mean, it's definitely happening in the European Union. I don't. It's not quite clear if it's happening in the UK because I've been watching quite a lot of Netflix and it seems fine to me. That's the On your huge TV, you would notice that. On my huge TV, well, so. and I would notice, yeah. Um, but yeah, they are supposed to be reducing the bandwidth by something like 25% yeah. while still ensuring... I mean, the technology behind that... Of course, Beth Webb did, that, did the documentary about the implications of the bandwidth needed by t- streaming television. Dirty streaming, available on iPlayer. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So the whole thing is fascinating. They're just the, how they managed to pump out Ultra HD TV to 150 million subscribers mm. around the world. And how it's much incredible. And the internet's bandwidth is used up by people watching, yeah. let's be honest, yeah. Altered well, Carbon yeah. and The Expanse. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the Mandalorian news. There was some, we're reviewing the Mandalorian very shortly, but some Mandalorian news kind of broke this week. Disney announced that they would, in fact, be releasing the Mandalorian weekly and not all in one go, which I think quite surprised people. Obviously, it was released weekly in the states, but given that it's already aired in its entirety over there, and I think people just assumed they just drop it all in one go in the UK, and it's not. They're going to drop two episodes uh, week one, and then it's one a week thereafter. So that's upset a lot of people in isolation who I think were hoping to to binge watch The Mandalorian on day one. That said, we're going to be at home for quite a long time. I'm saying dragging it out might not be the worst thing for everyone's well-being. So, you know. But, but isn't it also about filmmaker intent? Because... Yeah. It was a very deliberate episodic yeah. format. They were like mini vignettes. They all mm. stood alone. They all slightly differ. And I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk about it. Mm. Um, and I think it makes absolute sense to drop them episodically. I understand people's frustrations because we're all terrible and we want instant <laughs> gratification and we want everything immediately. <laughs> but I think if that was always the intention in terms of the storytelling, then I think there's a benefit to doing that rather than just spunking them all and letting people gobble them up in one go in a, and, and not kind of experiencing it in the way it was meant to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of talk of spunk and gobble in that sentence, but we'll <laughs> Wow. I'm back. <laughs> oh, good God. Uh, Terry Ava DuVernay wrapped on uh, on the HBO Max production of DMZ based on the graphic novel. That's pretty exciting. So that didn't get pulled. That's actually finished. So hopefully we will see that soon. I appreciate you have no interest in the DMZ graphic novel, but you do have interest in Ava DuVernay. So <laughs> I'm saying that we'll get you to watch that at some point. Um, there was a, uh, did you see the Boys Supercut that Amazon put out? Uh, for to trailing season two of Boys, they did a supercut of all the F-bombs in season one of Boys. Uh-huh. And there are many of them. Uh, and that's loads of fun if you want to check that out that's on Twitter somewhere but it's uh, yeah it's pretty entertaining Boy did you want to talk about the RTS awards or do we not care oh yeah sorry could do I forgot about that yeah um, well the RTS awards went on um, which are effectively second to the BAFTAs I guess in in prestigious television awards um they went ahead on Tuesday behind closed doors at the Groven House with no one there apart from the host Paul Merton and some, I guess, some RTS uh, operatives. Um, and I watched the whole fucking thing, by the way, on, live, on the live stream I had because I because uh, I chaired one of the jurors. I chaired the entertainment um, uh, jury, which was won by RuPaul's Drag Race, and uh, it was yeah, it was interesting. But there was loads. Yeah, who who won? Let me think. Um, so Chernobyl was a big winner. Yes. Fleabag was a big winner. I was surprised that Gentleman Jack won Best Drama. Yes, right? that was surprising, yeah. yeah. I mean, the RTS awards can be a bit more maverick, I would say, than other award ceremonies. Um, 
Yeah, I think they like people like to, you know, sometimes people like to. I'm not saying this is, you know, a general thing, but sometimes people like to reward stuff that hasn't made, they think might be, hasn't had the attention it deserves. I don't know. And I get, I mean, I think Gentleman Jack was really good, but yeah, that was a surprise, definitely. So the long song, remember the long song, which um, I think we reviewed, which we liked, but that one, best actor, female actors, they call it, um, I think it might have even won one of the drama awards. That got, that did really well. Um, Saoirse Monica Jackson won comedy performance for Derry Girls. And Shuti Gatwa won comedy performance for Sex Education. So those are, those two are really good, I think. Um, then we have, uh, yeah, the long song one, best miniseries, beating Chernobyl. How about that? See, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they give they 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 slightly think about what shows that haven't won the recognition they deserve. Um, and Channel Five won Channel of the Year, by the way. And Fleabag won scripted comedy. No surprise there. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge won writer for comedy as well. But yeah, the, I would say the long song beating Chernobyl is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Channel 5, Channel of the Year? Is yeah. that surprising? I mean, yeah. I think it is getting better and better and better. I do. Yeah. Like they've got more dramas. There's a very funny, I don't know if you saw the drama this week. Penance. Yeah. <laughs> Penance. Yeah. Oh, my there we go. Yes. God. Right. What we should have mentioned Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant, trashy, yeah. Yeah, pulpy exactly. nonsense. Yeah. Exactly. It's good. Good, pulpy nonsense. Right. That's it. That's it for news, James. Okay. And for news, we move now into reviews and what is coming up this week. So, first up, a mere six months after our American cousins is Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. Uh, This is the first live-action Star Wars TV series and sees Pedro Pascal as the eponymous bounty hunter, eking out a living, tracking down fugitives until one unexpected job sees him bringing in a small, green, big-eared infant otherwise known as Baby Yoda, or the face that launched a thousand memes. Uh, rather than a sprawling space opera like the movies, this is this is kind of more of an old-school Western, except, you know, with stormtroopers. Um, Terry, is this the way? So, um, so I actually really quite like this. I watched the first two episodes because um, I was aware that they were all quite different and mm. some people in the US had kind of indicated they weren't entirely sure about the first episode and so i wanted to see the kind of differences between them what i most loved about it is the spirit and authenticity of tone about it which it is grittier it is a slightly different kind of underbelly of the kind of extended star wars universe but i think you have to kind of say that uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni um, just have done a remarkable job of keeping the stuff and staying true to the stuff that we love about Star Wars. And probably at this point, actually, after um, the recent kind of cinema outings, reminding us of what we love about the Star Wars universe. Because um, I think even Dave Filoni, if you think about what an amazing kind of consistent great job he's done with rebels that same spirit kind of comes through in the mandalorian um as you said it's kind of western it opens with this um cantina brawl there's a speeder there's a giant sea slug there's a blaster i mean you've got all of your vital ingredients in there but there is this amazing kind of western kind of thread underneath it all the incidental music is really um Mm. sergio leone um and actually, the score in the second episode, I have to say, is remarkable and really is kind of the connective tissue between the set pieces. And that's a common thread across those first two episodes. I love the fact that it looks like cinematic TV, but not cinema trying to be TV, 
if you know what I mean. It looks like... Um... In that it, it looks like it was made for TV, but it looks expensive and it looks slick, but it yeah. doesn't look mm. like they've tried to make a film and then make it work for telly, which I really well, I love about it. I think that's why people um, bumped up against it when it first aired. Because people expected it to be this sprawling yeah. kind of Star Wars thing, and it's quite incidental. Like it's like not a lot really happens, and people are saying it's the Mandalorian. Mm. You know, it's like no, it's just it's a very different thing. And as you say, like people once like you, get you. Into it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once you get into it, once you ex- accept it, and I think Episode Two is what really sold it for me. It's that it's almost silent. There's basically no dialogue. It's like a silent episode where he takes on a band of Jawas, and I just think it's genius. It's a genius bit of television. Well, also those three action set pieces in that episode are done phenomenally well. Um, but also there's these brilliant moments of kind of humour and humanity and tenderness. And as you say, everything's quite incidental in many respects, um, which is uh, which I know a lot of people struggled with because I think they were looking for some bigger, wide mm. narrative arc to kind of carry them along. But I liked that it was self-contained. Um, the child, I mean, as I said, I am a new mother, but Christ almighty... <laughs> When that thing coos, like things happen in my uterus that I'm not responsible for. Um, and I just keep thinking how amazing it would have been to be one of the viewers in the States who saw that that moment, that reveal, mm. saw it without knowing it was coming, without yeah. spoilers. Can you imagine how amazing that moment must have been? It's completely yeah. nuts. Yeah. Because it's got like- the quest. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I think it, it's got the quest structure. Um, and the Western, as you say, um, feel to it. He's like a, literally a man in black, isn't he? Like Clint Eastwood kind of character of very few words. In fact, really, all of his dialogue could be from from like Unforgiven or something like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Yeah. Um, and I totally get what you mean about the visuals because it is, it's like a widescreen epic feel, but it, it, there's an intimacy like, to it as well. Um, so it looks brilliant. If, in fact, actually, if you look at the uh, if you any of the made for how they did the behind the scenes effects, it slightly ruins it because there's this amazing new technology they use. Have you seen it that where they can create a backdrop, this massive epic backdrop and landscape in about you know ten minutes, someone in it, and the whole <laughs> thing is blue screen and you know it's like. But looking at it afresh, it looks fantastic. Werner fucking Herzog's in it. <laughs> I mean, you know yeah. that he is so great in it. I I love him anyway. I love him doing a kind of we- just just playing on his own with weird freaky persona um uh carl weathers is in it in right at the beginning you know just like you, you just feel like they've really been careful meticulous in bold and brave as well in casting and the storytelling and the and i agree the second episode is fantastic um uh, yeah i absolutely loved it i have to say i'm i'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge star wars fan not as much of yeah not not anywhere near level of nerdery which probably means that my my uh view of it is slightly more realistic than james's but um i really yeah i really loved it i think and i think if you're going to complain i mean i don't know what the fuck people are going to complain about obviously it's not literally like it ca- doesn't literally relate to every element of the star wars films we've seen but it's clearly in the universe i mean you mm. know there's there's more than enough in every episode i feel i've watched the first three to to make it absolutely part of the universe that's that's exactly what they should have done i feel like if you going to make a tv show spin-off from such a loved franchise you just use its kind of atmosphere don't you and you use its you know there are stormtroopers guarding Werner Herzog. so that kind of stuff i think that that's what you want you don't want it to necessarily link literally to the stories we've seen already mm. so yeah i thought it was brilliantly judged really 
I think it's also that classic made-for-streaming format, isn't it, where some episodes are an hour, some episodes are less than half an hour. Mm. Like they t they take the amount of time they need to tell whatever story it is they're telling, uh, and I think that threw people a little bit early on because the second episode is something like twenty-eight minutes. People are like it's not long enough, it's mm. not long enough. But actually, it's a perfectly crafted half hour of television. Uh, and as it goes on, they're, they're quite uh, almost episodic. Do you know what I mean? Like that he'll be he's tackling yeah. an adventure each week to a certain extent. Like there's a siege one, there's a heist one. You know, it's incredible be funny in places uh there's mm. a lot of comic relief in there there are gungan gags in there who saw that coming um you know uh, taika waititi who does the voice of ig11 he's loads of fun in it uh it's it's really really good and there's there's incredibly impressive action in it too and it, it has lots in there for star wars fans lots of in jokes about stormtroopers not being able to shoot there's salacious crumb lots and lots of characters from it turn up and it's only really as you get towards the end of this uh, series that the the larger arc starts to close in that you start to get the real sort of meat of the story that's going to go on into season two and by the time this episode finishes no spoilers at all by the time this this season finishes a lot has happened and there's some big reveals uh in the last few episodes that i think mean people are desperate to see season two i think this is really 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 good i mean it's pure spaghetti western there are scenes as a shootout at the end of the first episode that could have been taken from any segment of the Dollars trilogy, uh, right down to the music and the sound effects. You know, they're all archetypal Western characters, like the man with no name wandering around. Sort of everyone's kind of a mm. broad Western archetype. It's loads and loads of fun. And I think it's just, it's, I mean, Star Wars, when you get right down to it, is a space Western. It has always been a space Western. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a space opera in the story that it's told. But the setting is pure John Ford, you know? But those were, those were Lucas's yeah. influence. And Kurosawa, you know, that, that's the stuff that, that fed into it. And I think really this takes it back to Star Wars's roots. And I thought you really felt the flavor of the universe, the used universe, as George Lucas used to call it, where everything's worn in, everything's a bit grubby, and all this takes place on the outer rim of the galaxy, and it is, you know, hives of scum and villainy, it's bounty hunters, it's assassins, you know, it's smugglers, it's pirates. Uh, and it's a sign of Star Wars I don't think we've, we've really seen before. It's not the glitz and glamour of the prequels, it's not the utter nonsense of the rise of skywalker you know it's uh it, it's it's great i really 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 like this i think it's fabulous i watched all of these uh and reviewed it for for empire and i can't wait to, i cannot wait to see where they go with it i'm i'm thrilled to see what happens in in season two in fact in uh you know uh, it, it, i think there's there are stories to be told here very exciting stories to be told and i think they're telling it in a very intelligent way by not trying to ape the movies you can tell star wars <laughs> in different ways and you don't need to tell the same story over and over again there are different ways uh, of doing this. That is The Mandalorian, and that drops on Disney Plus, uh, which officially launches on Tuesday, the 24th of March. Next up this week, we see the return of Rob Thomas's sleuthing series, Veronica Mars, which shot Kristen Bell into the limelight when it debuted in 2004. She was a high school PI back then, but it's been it's 16 years later, so now she's probably just a PI. Uh, this aired last summer in the US, so it's taken a good long while to land on British shores. The question, I guess, is was it worth the wait? Boyd, is there life on Veronica Mars? Oh, oh very Christ. Good. <laughs> Don't say um, very good. Don't encourage him. Oh, sorry. Um, oh. I have to I have to I have to be clear. <laughs> I mean uh -huh. partridge. Um I have to say I've never watched an episode of Veronica Mars in my life. Um somehow it passed me by. I mean I've been aware of it, hmm. mainly as the thing that brought Kristen Bell to to the world, I guess. That was her big starring role. Um, going back to 2004, I think, three, four, when it, when it aired. And then I've kind of, I'm no aware of it as a story of a show because it, then they crowdfunded the film, didn't yes, they? Yes, yeah. Which I was on set of, incidentally. 
Oh my God. Yeah, well, you're the fucking expert then. Mm. Amazing. Um, so literally, this, I sat down and watched this. The first, this delayed, as you say, much delayed fourth series, follow four years after that film maybe mm. and over a decade after the, the originally went out on television. Yep. Um, and what's what's clear is it started out as a, as a show about a teen detective, if you like. Um, and it's now a show about her fully adult detective and they're clearly using the adult language that we're now they're clearly now allowed to use on the streaming God bless streaming. That it's area on. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it, I have to say. So it's kind of like a, I guess the whole idea of it is that it's a, it's a, it's a film noir mystery, you know, Raymond Chandler type yep. detective who happens to be a woman now and was a teenage woman. And I like that device. I think the script, I thought that it has that whole kind of, She's sharp and witty and funny and um, likable, and I think she—it's all about her. She pulls it off so well. Mm. She's so she and the role are so perfectly matched, and the kind of there's a lot of kind of banter to and forth. And I thought all of that worked really well. It's quite hard, I think, we've, which some shows we've, re- we've reviewed before that try and do that kind of. Um, banter and and kind of arch slightly arch dialogue have don't work whereas this i thought it really did work because it was i thought it was believable and yet i kind of liked all the slightly heightened borderline cheesy elements of it it's set in spring break which is funny because right now one of the big controversies about the Mm. virus in america is fucking everyone's going on spring break which is a huge cultural phenomenon in america and they're ignoring the fact of, of the virus completely all these fucking doofus teenage college kids are amassing and completely ignoring the fact there's a global pandemic. Um, so this, that, I kept thinking about that as, as because the storyline is that this, this, um, this particular spring break is affected by um, a kind of almost terrorist attack or some kind of attack. So yeah, I thought it was great. I, and you know, it's not like it's not. Um, I thought it looked good. It's very slick, isn't it? It's like mm. slick, like. It's got that kind of sheen of slickness about it. Um, and it's got a load of stereotypes in it. There's like nerdy stereotypes. There's jock stereotypes. But again, it's playing on them. And it's much better than a lot of things that have tried to do this before. And it's clearly been an influence on a lot of shows that I have watched. I think it's better than the shows that it influenced. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. I mean, it is, I mean, it was always kind of bringing that kind of noir, not in the way that that, uh, that Ryan Johnson the Brick did, but uh, always bringing that kind of noir idea to high school. And, and I think the archetypes in this are kind of, they carry forward from the high school archetypes that they originally began life as. And so we had her in high school, then she was in college, and then you had the movie, which obviously followed later on, and now now she's fully working as a PI. But it, it keeps a lot of what made the show really great uh, when it first started, and it is partly the dialogue. It's partly her relationship with her dad in this, played by uh, Enrico Colantoni, who's great. Um, and, and the characters are loads and loads of fun. You enjoy spending time with them. She was... In the original series, like the queen of the disenfranchised, like, and that's what made her great—that she was like a breed apart. She used to be one of the. It was the the first season of the show was all around a murder mystery, and it was um it was Amanda Seyfried. She was the the character who was killed. That was her best friend, and it was trying to work out who had killed Amanda Seyfried, and it was all built around that central mystery. And Veronica had been one of the cool kids, and the first episode of this show begins with Veronica walking out of a pool house where she's been drugged and raped like that's how this show begins so immediately it's got your attention like oh my god this is not what i was expecting at all and it always has that really sort of dark edge to it like it didn't flinch away from any of those kind of subject matters it tackled them head on and i've always enjoyed that about this show and it's had a massive cult following which is why it came back as a movie got crowdfunded and why it's come back again here um and i think this this season i've watched the whole of this season this is it's a really interesting sort of puzzle mystery box uh pat oswalt is in it as well 
it's got lots of other good mm. people in it. Uh, and as you say, it takes place around Spring Break, and it's working out who has been essentially staging attacks on people in Spring Break. Um, and it's more about, it's less about school here, and it's more about the community. She lives in a place called Neptune, California. It's a very insular community, and it's kind of deconstructing that. But uh, lot, lots of fun stuff here. I hope they do more of this. I really do. I hope this isn't the last we see of Veronica Mars. This is, by the way, classic James show. Like, I was not surprised that you yeah. love this. Yeah. Um, you, I, I really like this book. Kind of like Boyd. I thought it was really good, really slick. Um, the kind of pulpy noir thing was really good. Although I did keep thinking of um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. And you know, she's <laughs> mm. in that TV show in yeah. the film, like yes. crime scene. And I yeah. kept, that's what kept ringing in my head. Um, I think she, at first I was worried, and I hadn't seen any of the other seasons either, that she was a bit of a kind of a classic uh damaged girl outsider who used to be popular and, mm. and kind of wasn't anymore. Um, there's a whole thing about her having obvious issues with commitment because of her parents and, and trouble in relationships and stuff like that. But there's amazing kind of moments of vulnerability and real heart in this that I wasn't expecting necessarily because it's quite arch in places. And so mm. when it flips into those moments of real tenderness and vulnerability, it's actually really, really incredibly moving. Um, the stuff with her and her dad is just incredible. Their relationship and their kind of familial chemistry is really lovely. Um, so yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, I don't think it was quite what I was expecting it to be. And it does feel like a show from another time almost. It mm. feels quite weird to watch this today because telly's moved on in such different ways. Um, but she, And she, I have to say, she is phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I Like I say, I, I hope this yeah. isn't the last we see of Veronica Mars. Uh, I don't. I don't. Haven't they said more. that they're not doing a season five? Yeah, they have. Yeah. have they, so yeah. they, this yeah. is the last we're going to yeah. see of her? This oh. is the last. Well, on Wikipedia, it says uh, uh, it was announced there are no plans for a fifth season. Yeah, But then, you know, it's Sorry, been cancelled twice before. So, you yeah. know, I live in home. Yeah. I live in home. Anyway, that is Veronica Mars, and that drops on Stars Play on March the 27th, Friday, March 27th. Next up this week, we have Sky One's Hitmen, and a rather unlikely spin-off of The Great British Bake Off in which two of its hosts take a break from watching people burn <laughs> custard to become contract killers. At least that's my understanding of it. Uh, is that right, Terry? I mean, pretty much. I mean, this sounded uh, pretty dreadful, I have to say. You've got Mel and Sue of Mel and Sue Bake Off fame uh, doing a show, a Sky One original, as Assassins. Uh, obviously, that sounds just like the most awful idea ever, but it's actually, I have to say, I found it really quite charming and funny. It completely wrong-footed yes. me. I, I, James is already frowning at me. Yeah, um, I can see the frown. You yeah. see him. So they do. Yeah. They play this pair of assassins who are also best friends, Jamie and Fran. Um, and what I love about this is that they are hired killers, um, and that is what they're there to do. And this episode, the first episode... Uh, they are trying to, well, they need to kill this kind of mild-mannered uh, lawyer who pretty much spends the entire episode in the back of their van with a bag over his head. But actually, that's not the central story of the first episode. The story of the first episode is the fact that Fran, um, who's played by Sue, is having a birthday party and nobody wants to come because she's desperately unpopular. Um, presumably, even for a hitman, she's desperately unpopular. So when it first, from the beginning, it's quite, 
I found it quite awkward at moments right at the beginning of the episode. There was a, it was a little bit like a stand-up set almost. It was a little bit stilted in places. But as the episode went on, it really found its rhythm. And it was just really charming. There's lovely dark humour. There's a brilliant bit with Nick Mohammed as a human spider birthday gram, <laughs> which makes no sense when I say that sentence. But when you watch it, it will make perfect sense. And I laughed out loud so much at that. And I actually I found myself doing that quite a lot through this episode. And it really surprised me. I think the writing is actually much better than I expected it to be. And there, there's like a real warmth and and kind of a dark humour, but these kind of slightly profound moments in there as well. So I actually quite enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, I'm so relieved because I love Mel and Sue, like as human beings and everything. Pretty much, you know, I love them on. But I think Bake Off fucking went, you know, went totally off when they left Bake Off. Um, we'll see what happens when Matt Lucas comes back. Um, I just think they're 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 brilliant together, and it's such a weird. It's like it's because they're completely playing themselves, or they're playing yeah. their their personas. They're playing the personas they had when they introduced like lunch back in whenever it was. You know, the first thing they did on TV and in Bake Off and everything else. But they're playing trained professional assassins who, right from the beginning, are not are by by the way not in any way doing anything good. They're literally killing people in quite a violent way. We see we see you know people people quite gorily shot and falling down from from a block of flats and all that the violence weirdly is kind of almost like done in, in, with a sense of realism which is quite a bold kind of confident way of dealing with it considering it's a very charming as you say comedy kind of with a lightness of touch all the way through and, and totally trading on the relationship between Mel and Sue and their personas. It's got great supporting cast, as you say, Jason Watkins, Nick Mohammed, Sean Clifford is the big guest. So I think there's going to be like a guest's role in every episode. She's in episode two. It revolves around her and she's brilliant in that. I really enjoy, I just, it's just really in, enjoyable to spend time with them doing this very well scripted, as you say, charming yeah. kind of sitcom. And it just works. It's like a, Whoever came up with it, it's it. Well, what it reminds me was if Anton Deck were given, you know, Anton Deck do a scripted <laughs> thing on Saturday Night Takeaway, which is totally ridiculous and light, and it goes back to you know Morecambe and Wise and the two Ronnies. It's like there is a tradition of double acts doing silly, scripted, charming stuff, and I think it's in that vein. I think if you regard it in that vein, rather than you know tr expect it to be some kind of you know peak TV work of genius like Fleabag or something, it's very enjoyable. James. So <laughs> here we go. I'm only peripherally aware of who Mel and Sue are. So <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you idiot. This can't come as a massive shock. <laughs> do you know Anton? Do you know who Anton Deck are? Antor Deck. Yes, I'm familiar with who Antor Deck are. <laughs> they were on Biker Grove. Um, but I, uh, yeah. So I kind of, I, I, I vaguely aware that they were on Bake Off, but beyond that, don't really know. So again, this was not something I was looking forward to, and it's an odd one, like. As you say, it's got a darkness to it, like a real a dark edge that I was unprepared for because it is stupid and it is wacky, but it's also really violent and sweary and bloody. Um, mm. And mm. it's not even a, really about anything. Like, not a lot really happens, but I really enjoyed the dialogue. And I love Asim Chowdhury, and when he turns out that, I enjoyed that enormously. I love Nick Mohammed, and his scenes in it were brilliant as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I like... The, the, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. I found it very charming. I found them quite funny. I thought there was a lot of sort of pathos in the characters uh, when they sort of meet up with another pair of hitmen and have a kind of a little sort of like territorial sort of pissing contest on the dock. That was a lot of fun. Um, 
you know, yeah, it is daft, so it's not what I would necessarily describe as my kind of show generally. But yeah, I, I think this is very good. I think it's unfortunate that the synopsis of this is the pair from Bake Off are hitmen for Sky One. Like, that's not a great pitch. And I think it'll put a lot of people off. And that, that would be a shame, because actually, this is a pretty good show. And I think if anyone has even the slightest vein of humour in them, I'm exempting myself from this, uh, I think there's a lot to enjoy. <laughs> I think it's going to do well because people love Mel and Sue. And I think there is a, because it's such, it is such a kind of weird concept in a way. I think people are intrigued by it. And I think, it, I think as soon as people start watching it, they'll like it. So I think it'll be a beer hit. It's my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hitmen drops on Sky One on Wednesday, March the 25th at 10 p.m. Finally, this week, we have season three of Ozark. Uh, this Netflix drama sees Jason Bateman and Laura Linney as a couple up to their ears in mobsters and money laundering operations. Now, to my eternal shame, it has to be said, I've never seen a single episode of this show, uh, despite having been on my watch list for ages. And even more shameful, that streak was not broken this week, as the show never turned up in my account for me to watch it. So I have not what? seen this. What? It didn't turn up. It's not in my never. list. Um, you didn't tell me. I know, I know, I know. I probably should We didn't need to have these admin conversations outside the <laughs> yes, <episode>. probably. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. however, I'm reliably informed that both Boyd and Terry's money laundering operations are fully up and running. So, Boyd. Ozark or Nozark? Oh, <laughs> oh God. Well, um, I, I I watched the first season of Ozark and, and really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of brilliantly made. It's a proper, you know, as you'd expect. Oh, it's got all the production values of Peak TV, well-written, and this kind of incredible duo of Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. My problem with it from the start was I felt like, in terms of the concept of it, the premise, which is basically very privileged, successful people get involved with mobsters and gangsters and the and the cartel and um and and crime which is the kind of un that's the whole kind of idea of it and what would happen to this family this nice you know well-off family if they had to suddenly up sticks and move to the ozarks from their comfortable uh, home um it was all a bit breaking bad to be honest i felt like a lot of the issues in it about you know what happens to you know seemingly perfectly decent human beings um, when they're suddenly faced with extreme situations involving crime. I felt a lot of it was very Breaking Bad. So I kind of felt I almost couldn't get out of my mind. This show would not exist without Breaking Bad. I've now let that go. Um, and uh, Three Seasons on it, it's, it's just a really well done show. And I think I think the, the dialogue, the situations, the way it's directed, the way it kind of thrusts you into scenes without you necessarily what's going on, no, necessarily knowing what's going on, and then it kind of um, storylines evolve quite organically. But more than anything, and in this series, by the way, as we pick up, they've they've now these these criminals who keep having to stay on the run with their family to avoid both the FBI and the cartel, and have now launched their own um, casino in Vegas. That's where we are, and that's quite funny as well. In a way, there's a kind of dark comedy to it because the way they're operating this casino is kind of crazy and full on, um, and you and it's it's tense and it's it's got a kind it's direct so the thriller elements are very well done but above all it's Jason Bateman and Laura Linney still which is what made it brilliant in the first place bouncing off each other brilliantly <laughs> and and appropriately so the police are turning the, up but carry on yeah with the police <laughs> in the background I don't think it would work for me if it wasn't for them I have to say because they're so great um, and and when and whenever it starts to get a bit formulaic, because it is a lot like a lot of other shows, not just Breaking Bad, but there's a lot of other shows that I think it's reminiscent of. So it doesn't feel particularly original in any way at all. But it, just when I think that a, shot, a scene comes along, there's a scene in the first episode with their where where they're in um, group therapy, um, 
Uh, and that for me was like, oh yeah, that's a really clever scene. And I thought that was so good that then it reminded me of what can be special about Ozark when it is working on, when it's firing on all cylinders. So um, I think I probably will carry on watching it. I, I, it's, pre it's pretty damn good, is what I'd say. But I think you're right, Boyd, because that's the problem I had, which is it felt derivative mm. of so many other things. And I couldn't kind of get a handle on what made it really special and unique. And you're completely right about Jason Bateman and Laura Linney, who are amazing. But actually, for me, the real star of it is Julia Garner, um, yeah. who plays Ruth, who runs the casino floor. I think she won an Emmy last year yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. for supporting actress in this. She is phenomenal she's got a mouth fouler than mine she's hard as fuck but she's also got this incredible crushing vulnerability that she only plays out through her eyes and it is like it's this weird mashup because they are in this couple's therapy and it's also the story of a kind of ordinary marriage as well as them trying to be these kind of criminal masterminds so it's a bit like marriage story meets casino meets narcos which mm. makes for quite a um, uh, it, it's quite a heady concept, actually, because what you really get into is they're kind of struggling like any other couple would, apart from the fact that they're also trying to be these mastermind crim criminals yeah. and launder all of this money. That scene you're talking about in the couple's therapy is just the darkest yeah. couple's therapy ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really, really liked it. But but I, I know what you're saying, which is it it's hard to kind of, justify with so many amazing kind mm. of unique shows at the moment what really makes it stand out it has a lot of very devoted fans but there were other people who think mm. it's you know right up there in terms of being one of the best things and it's, it's, it's fantastically well done yeah a bunch of my friends love this show I, it's astonishing that i've never got around to it but it's exactly what you're saying like the reason i've never got around to it because i felt a bit like yeah this looks good but it also looks very familiar and it just wasn't mm. I did, it felt inessential but uh, mm. but I would like to give it a go. And, you know, I seem to, oh, looks at schedule. Yeah, I seem to have an opening coming up where I might have some free time. So <laughs> maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe watch this rather than your third oh, Game of Thrones Don't rewatch. be silly, Boyd. Ozark, yeah. of course, dropping on Netflix on Friday, March the 27th. Also out this week is, quite frankly, a shit ton of stuff. So we should probably run through some of the other bits that are out this week. So Family Guy dropped on ITV2 on Monday. At 9pm, if you're going to watch that, the whole of Disney Plus drops. So, weirdly, uh, I think the high points of this are probably, um, obviously, The Mandalorian. Clone Wars, Season 7, the final season of Clone Wars is dropping. If you're a big fan of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, another season of that from Dave Filoni is landing on uh, on Disney Plus when it launches. That's going to drop week by week as well. Frankly, if you're getting Disney Plus as well, you might as well watch all the Star Wars movies in 4K Dolby Atmos. That's pretty fucking exciting, since uh, not all of them have been released on 4K, so that's pretty good. What else is on? The Simpsons. All of The Simpsons are on Disney Plus as well. A lot of the Marvel movies. The World According to Jeff Goldblum looks absolutely batshit from the clips I saw. So that's that's probably worth watching as well. And then, of course, a load of Disney animated classics. Uh, Avatar, whatnot. X-Men the Animated Series. Do you remember X-Men the Animated Series? Boy, do you must remember this. I'm no. sure I've talked about this on the podcast before. X-Men the Animated oh, you, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. But obviously I wasn't listening. Almost yeah. certainly. Um, a lot of vintage Disney shorts on Disney Plus as well. And also Forky Asks the Question, which is the uh, the Toy Story 4 character. Forky has his own little series. So that's on there as well. Uh, what else? You know what I've heard is really good on Disney Plus? Mm -hmm. Is, have you heard High School Musical? Oh. Colon the Musical. Colon, colon the, colon series. the series. Yeah, yeah. Do you know about this? <laughs> yes, I do. This is a very knowing um, kind of funny take on the whole High School Musical. So it's about a group of high school amdramas putting on their 
their yeah. own version of High School yeah. Musical. And it's, it's very like self-aware. And apparently it's brilliant. I haven't seen it myself, but I'm told it's great. I watched High School there Musical for the first time not so long ago and was unprepared for how shit it was. Like, I thought, <laughs> it's quite a phenomenon. I thought, oh, okay. this is going to be high quality. And it's like, yeah. well, first of all, it's in 4.3. It's not even in widescreen. I thought, that's not a good sign. And oh, it's, a, it's proper like DTV rubbish. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise that. So, you know. Who moans well, about the format of right. High School Musical Look, right. of Terry, films? Terry, I cannot oh, be expected yeah. to watch entertainment in 4.3. I mean, what is this? Like 1984? Jesus. Oh, my God. Uh, also out this week, uh, Rookie Blue drops on 5 USA. I don't know what season of that show it is, but I used to watch Rookie Blue. Have you ever seen this, Boyd? No, no. it's a Canadian sort of uh, police series. It was about a bunch of uh, <laughs> about a bunch of sort of rookie officers. Though, given that it's been going for about seven years, they're presumably all lieutenants or veterans by this point. Anyway, that drops on 5 USA on Wednesday. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think there's a new series dropping on E4 also on Thursday. New series of Friday Night Dinner, appropriately enough, on Friday on Channel 4. Yes. You're a big fan of that, aren't you, Boyd? Which is great, by the mm. way. Sign the Bird. What else have we got? Batwoman. Batwoman comes to E4 on Sunday the 29th. So this is one of the Arrowverse shows that has traditionally been absent from the UK. So if you wanted to watch Crisis on Infinite Earths, you kind of couldn't because I think some of it takes place in that show. So now you can. It comes to E4. And the last season of Supernatural is on after yes, that as well. as I was going to say, the final season of so, Supernatural begins on E4 on Sunday, March 29th. Unfortunately, the final season of Supernatural has stopped filming at the moment because of the coronavirus. So that's one of these things where at some oh point God. it's just going to stop. Uh, I'm assuming that they will put it on hiatus and they will finish it at some point rather than just wrap it up it'd be a real shame after like what is it 12 years of that show if they the final season the finale got cut short so i think hopefully they'll they'll take a breather and we'll we'll get to see the rest of that um and that is it yeah. what would be your pick of the week guys mm. mandalorian i wasn't going to say it. yeah i'd agree with that yeah excellent yeah. mandalorian <laughs> yes oh god i hate it when you're right yeah. i have spoken yeah. this is the way this is the way. Good, good, good. Before we depart, we should do our Banshee segment. Someone tweeted me last week to say, I've just come to the podcast, really enjoying it. What the hell is a Banshee segment and what are you on about? Because I didn't <laughs> explain what this is. So for those of you who have joined us recently, the Banshee segment, uh, so-called because the first Banshee we ever did was the show, Banshee, Jonathan Chopper's show, Um this is a segment where we recommend a show from ages past, an old show, a vintage show that is no longer on the air that we enjoyed and we think you might too. So, Boyd, what was your pick? Oh, does it have to be that old? I thought we could do recent things. I thought it was just to help obscure it. Was. Well, no, it's just it's, as long as it's not still airing, it qualifies. <laughs> But everything's on Netflix now, anyway. No, no, but like they're so, not I making mean, anyway. New I'm picking. Like, they're not making new episodes, so it's finished. But, fine, it's ended. fine. Yeah. It, this is finished, right? Because this is—I think this is the most recent banshee anyone's ever done. Ooh, controversial, and um, yeah, it's called Soundtrack. It's created by Joshua Safran, who created Quantico, which was the very entertaining um, kind yes. of spy thriller thing that um, Russell Tovey was mm. in. And he worked on Gossip Girl. That was his first big, because he was one of the key writers on Gossip Girl. And this show, this is one of those Netflix shows. It dropped on, in December last year, 10 episodes. It's a really interesting, unusual concept. It's a curio. It's definitely not to everyone's taste. Some people are going to fucking hate it. You'll know whether you like it within the first five minutes. I'll explain why in a minute. But this is a classic example. If you look at Joshua Shafran's Twitter feed, he talks about how frustrated he was that Netflix just did not back the show. They hardly mentioned it to anyone. They didn't put out any advanced screeners. You know, in that we you know we talk about when they really don't back a show, they do not back a show. Yeah. We have to say, and vice versa. When they do, 
on the other hand, they go amazing for it. But they let this arrive without any any advanced publicity or buzz or anything. But it's such it's basically his influence was Pennies from Heaven and the Singing Detective, the classic Dennis Potter shows, where the characters break out into song and they lip sync old tunes. They lip sync classic tunes. So they're not singing them themselves. They literally are just miming. And in this show, um, the characters all lip sync to their favourite songs to express what having... It's kind of, it's a musical, but they're not singing themselves. They're singing... So the first song, for example, in the first five minutes, as one of the main young characters is dumped by her boyfriend, she sings a song by Sia, and there's a whole dance routine. It's... I don't even like fucking musicals, but I think it's a really (laughs) interesting, kind of brilliantly made. It's got all the lavish Netflix production values you'd expect. It's got Marianne Jean-Baptiste in it, who's brilliant in everything. And she sings Whitney Houston songs. It's got like people, someone sings both sides now, the Joni Mitchell song, and it segues from the first version of that song back in the 70s to the re-recorded version that you'll know from um, that scene in uh, in um, Love Christmas. Actually. Thank you, Love Actually. And it's got stuff like that. It's really inventive and bold, but it is cheesy and emotional and kind of over the top. It's a bit like, you know, Once, that that film and his stuff. It's a, it's got that like that tone for it where everyone's celebrating their emotions in song. But if you can, if you deal with that concept it's really interesting it's soundtrack and it is on netflix soundtrack on netflix okay that sounds interesting uh it may Hmm. may or may not better than what i'm about to do okay so what i wanted to talk about was persons unknown and partly because this has been going around my head recently and i couldn't remember what it was called so i went up to look up the name of this show and i said oh persons unknown i thought oh fuck it i might as well banish it so this was a show from 2010 it was actually created by christopher Macquarie, which i hadn't realized when i saw it and it was a kind of a mystery uh, mystery serial series it's not a million miles away from wayward pines boy which you did last week uh which is about people who can't get out of a town so it's about a group of people uh sort of diverse group of strangers who've all been abducted and they all wake up in a hotel in this small deserted town which they cannot leave they physically can't leave this town and there are cctv cameras watching them they're clearly part of something like it's part saw part the truman show like they're being they're being viewed they don't know why they're there they don't know what they're there for uh but it's got chadwick boseman is one of the people who got abducted he's in it uh and the reason i started watching it was jason wiles is another one jason wiles is uh an actor who most people haven't heard of but he played uh a character called Morris Boscarelli on Third Watch, which was one of my favourite police procedurals of all time, and one that I might actually banshee next week just for the lols. But uh, but that's Jason Wiles. But this was this was a really interesting show, and you couldn't work out what was going on, and it gradually sort of unfurled. It was one of these kind of post-lost mystery shows where they eked out the what the hell is going on episode by episode. Um, and there's a big switcheroo at the end of season one where you kind of find out what's going on, and they kind of escape, but then they don't and there's uh there's a there's a big sort of switch up at the end um unfortunately we never got to see how that went because it got cancelled it died it went away um so sadly i never got to see that but i I would like to see more of it i think it's just one of those things isn't it? there were so many of those those post lost mystery shows that people like whether it be flash forward Mm. or whatever else and people people kind of lost patience with them i think this one just didn't get the viewers but it's a shame um because it did you know it, it was it was pretty interesting alan ruck was in it as well cameron from ferris bueller um Mm-hmm. Not a bad show from Chris and McQuarrie. That is Persons Unknown. You can probably find it somewhere. I don't know where. I don't know if they ever released a box set of it, to be honest. So you may or may not be able to get it from Computer Exchange, but I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Terry, what did you think? Will you be watching either of these? Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a Banshee <gasps> No this week. way! I suppose okay. you have had yeah. however many nice. months to come up with one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd join in. Okay, go on. And I thought I would choose something that was um, relevant to our current times. 
somebody's definitely going to tell me we bantered this before, by the way. Um, so I want to talk about Survivors. I did it last week. Have we done Survivors? <laughs> Are you joking? Did, yeah, unbelievable. See, this is what happens, Terry, when you watch the live <laughs> podcast, but you don't stay to the end. But please, please I was do. Like, Go on, you do Survivors again. Okay, you can I can't do it now. You've done it. Literally last week. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It was good though, oh, wasn't it? It was good. Did you watch both seasons? It was really good. Mm. It was really good. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that it was about a uh, a population that has pretty much been all wiped out by a, a really virulent flu has got nothing to do with the fact that I chose it this week. Um, and Max Beasley actually being good. That's right. No yeah. offence to Max Beasley, but being really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I couldn't believe they cancelled it after a second season. On but a cliffhanger. On a cliffhanger. I know. I know. Yeah. On result, I say bring it back for these difficult times. So do I. It's, 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 the, it's, yeah. it's the show yeah. we want and the show we deserve. Yes, it is. It and I'm sorry that I didn't listen to you banshing it last week. <laughs> this is our whole relationship in our I mean, nutshell, it's only... isn't it? I yeah, know. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, pretty much. Amazing. Uh, well, there's uh, there's three shows of varying quality for you there that you may or may not enjoy. Uh, and that is it, I think, for our first, but by no means last, remote episode of the Pilot TV podcast. Um, instead of hitting you up for a five-star rating this week, I'm instead going to just say to take care of yourselves, because being alone uh, is kind of difficult at the best of times, and these oh. are far from the best oh. of times. Uh, and this situation could go on for a while, and I think it's likely to take quite a heavy toll on a lot of people. Uh, and all I can say is that we are all in this together, and it's simple things, I think, like being able to escape from reality with a great TV show that may ultimately keep us sane through this. So like the band on the deck of the Titanic, we're going to keep doing this podcast, calling each other bellends as the ship sinks beneath the waves uh but we are all here for you too all three of us are on social media at james c dyer at boyd hilton and at terry underscore white so do drop us a line you know if you're looking for i know like the perfect episode of law and order svu to lull you to sleep if you want a live commentary of the latest picard episode delivered of course in the original klingon then you know we are we are here for you so so feel free to hit us up isn't that right guys Oh, I'm, not sure can, I'm not sure if I can take you in such sincere mode. It's quite it, it's it's quite difficult to process. <laughs> you're just like, yeah. you're like, I'm waiting for the gag. Definitely. I'm waiting for the punchline. Oh, Where is it? You're such a lovely yeah. bell end. You're such a lovely bell end. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Terry. Lovely bell end. Bell end sincerity. Uh, yes. Yeah. If you two would like to call me a bell end, yeah. you know where to find me on the web. Uh we will be back next week just try and stop us uh when among other things we'll see the very exciting return of lenny james's bright yellow puffer jacket as season two of save me lands on our screens and if season one was anything to go by you definitely won't want to miss out on that one see you next time stay safe stay sane pilot out <laughs>